We welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. I'd like for you to take God's Word. Go with me to the Old Testament to the book of First Chronicles. First Chronicles. And we come to the 28th chapter. And uh, we are in the concluding chapters of the study of the life of David. And we, uh, in this concluding chapters, have uh, moved to First Chronicles. We've been looking at chapters 23 through 29 because they give us the detail of David's preparation uh, for the construction of the house of the Lord, for the construction of the temple. And uh, there are many lessons we learn uh, in these chapters. As we've noted, uh, David in chapter number 23 prepared abundantly he prepared his own heart. He prepared his own soul. Then he prepared his son for the job that he would have, and he prepared the servants, the men of Israel, to labor together with Solomon for the construction of the Lord's house. Uh, then we noted in chapters 24 through 27 how that uh, David prepared those who would serve in the house of the Lord, those uh, primarily the Levites, the priests, who were responsible for uh, the worship life of the nation of Israel. And uh, we noted that. That was the Sunday that we lost power. And um, we didn't know at the time that a plane had crashed and two lives were tragically taken. Uh, that resulted in, in uh, the loss of power here in our town. But we... We looked at the, that passage of Scripture. Uh, there are just two chapters remaining in our study, chapter 28 of First Chronicles and then also chapter 29. And the emphasis, as I said earlier, is on the preparation for the construction of the temple. And uh, that falls in a, a unique time for us because uh, we are preparing uh, for God willing for construction and the property that God has supplied for us. And we're learning lessons that uh, apply to where we are today. And I'm asking God to speak to us. So I want you to look with me here in this 28th chapter. We'll begin reading in verse number one. And David assembled all the princes of Israel, the princes of the tribes and the captains of the companies that ministered to the king by course, and the captains over thousands, and the captains over the hundreds, and the stewards over all the substance and possession of the king, and of his son, with the officers, and with the mighty men, and with all the valiant men, unto Jerusalem. Then David the king stood up upon his feet, and said, Hear me, my brethren, and my people. As for me, I had in my heart to build an house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord." and for the footstool of our God, and had made ready for the building. But God said unto me, Thou shalt not build an house for my name, because thou hast been a man of war, and hast shed blood. Howbeit, 
the Lord God of Israel chose me before all the house of my father to be king over Israel forever. For he hath chosen Judah to be the ruler, and of the house of Judah, the house of my father. And among the sons of my father he liked me to make me king over all Israel. And of all my sons, for the Lord hath given me many sons, he hath chosen Solomon my son to sit upon the throne of the kingdom uh, of the Lord over Israel. And he said unto me, Solomon thy son, he shall build my house and my courts. For I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever. And if he be constant to do my commandments and my judgments, as at this day, now therefore in the sight of all Israel, the congregation of the Lord, and in the audience of your God, keep and seek for all the commandments of the Lord your God, that ye may possess this good land and leave it for an inheritance for your children after you forever. And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. For if thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Take heed now, for the Lord hath chosen thee to build an house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Then David gave to Solomon his son the pattern of the porch and of the houses thereof and of the treasuries thereof and of the upper chambers thereof and of the inner parlors thereof and of the palace of the mercy seat or in the place rather of the mercy seat and the pattern of all that he had by the spirit of the courts of the house of the Lord and of all the chambers round about of the treasuries of the house of God and of the treasuries of the dedicated things also for the courses of the priests and the Levites, and for all the work of the service of the house of the Lord, and for all the vessels of service in the house of the Lord. He gave of gold by weight for things of gold, for all instruments of all manner of service, silver also for all instruments of silver by weight, for all instruments of every kind of service, even the weight of the candlesticks of gold and for their lamps of gold, by weight for every candlestick, and for the lamps thereof, and for the candlesticks of silver, by weight, both of the candlestick and also for the lamps thereof, according to the use of every candlestick. And by weight he gave gold for tables of showbread for every table, and likewise silver for tables of silver, also pure gold for the flesh hooks, and the bowls, and the cups, and the golden basins. He gave gold by weight for every basin, and likewise silver by weight for every basin of silver, and for the altar of incense refined gold by weight, and gold for the pattern of the chariot of the cherubims that spread out their wings and covered the ark of the covenant of the Lord. All this, said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me, even all the works of this pattern. And David said to Solomon his son, be strong and of good courage, and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee, until thou hast finished all the work of the service of the house of the Lord. And behold, the courses of the priests and the Levites, even they shall be with thee for all the service of the house of God. 
and there shall be with thee for all manner of workmanship every willing, skillful man for any manner of service. Also the princes and all the people will be holy at thy commandment. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you will bless the reading of it. We pray that by your spirit you would speak to us. Pray that you would be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. In verse number two and also in verse number six and then finally in verse 10, we find a phrase that is repeated. I believe it is the theme of this chapter. We read it in verse six or in verse two rather, this phrase, build a house. Then again in verse number six, build my house. And then finally, in verse number 10, build an house. What is the Lord saying to his people in this chapter? He's saying to them, build the house. That's the title of this message, build the house. Not just any house, but the Lord's house. And the Lord is speaking here in this chapter. He is speaking to and through his servant David with the purpose and the intention of provoking Solomon and the servants who served the king in Israel to build the house of the Lord their God. Together, over the course of the next several months, as a church, we will endeavor, God willing, to prepare for and build the house of the Lord. God has supplied us a property seven acres, 54,000 square feet of buildings that we intend by God's uh, grace to occupy and possess and use for his glory. And the message that God has for us in this hour is that we build the house. That's the message he had for David. That's the message he had for Solomon. And that is the message he has for us through his word. As we look at this passage, I want you to note three truths that God used to encourage Solomon and the men of Israel to build the house. And I trust that God will speak to us in the same way. I want you to write some things down. First of all, I want you to see the plan to build. The plan to build. Whose idea was it? Whose plan was it? Why did they need to build a building? Well, God placed that desire into the heart of David. David said to the prophet, I want to build the house of the Lord. But if you remember, God sent Nathan back to David to say, David, you're not going to build it, but your son is going to build it. Now, we might think that this was David's plan, but in truth, it was not David's plan. This was God's plan. It was God who put it in the heart of David to build the house of the Lord. The Bible says it is God who worketh in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God put that desire into David's heart that the house would be built. But he put that duty, that responsibility, not into the uh, hands of David. He put it into the hands of Solomon. So it began in the heart of David and it was completed in the hands of Solomon. But we need to understand something. It wasn't David's plan. It wasn't Solomon's plan. It was God's plan. 
and the church is God's plan. The church is not man's idea. The church is God's idea. Now, I want you to note in these verses how this plan unfolded, how it was unveiled and revealed to the people. First of all, uh, there was an assembly, an assembly. Notice, if you would, please, in verse 1, And David assembled all the princes of Israel, the princes of the tribes, and the captains of the companies that ministered to the king by course, and the captains over the thousands, and the captains over the hundreds, and the stewards over all the substance and possession of the king, and of his sons, with the officers, and with the mighty men, and with all the valiant men unto Jerusalem. David called an assembly. This is the second assembly that we read about in these chapters. And we find that David brought together the captains and the leaders and the stewards and the soldiers. He brought the valiant men together. He brought together the leaders of the nation, those who were serving and working in the kingdom. He brought them together to speak to them, to inform them concerning God's plan. I want to say this to you this morning, that God's method is to speak through the man that he chooses to lead his people and to communicate his word. And God has assembled his people. The church is an assembly. The word church literally means an assembly. And what does an assembly do? The assembly assembles. And we are gathered here as God's stewards, as God's representatives, working, serving our King. We are gathered here today to hear a message from God's Word. I want you to know that the assembly of God's people is essential. It's essential to the work of the kingdom. It is essential in our lives. John saw Jesus, and where did he see him? In Revelation 1 and verse 13, he saw him in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. He saw him in the midst of the churches. Those candlesticks represented the church. It represented the light of the world. And Jesus was in the midst of his churches. And I want to say this to you this morning, that Jesus Christ is here this morning in the midst of this congregation. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 and verse 5 that he has uh, raised us up together and he has made us to sit together in heavenly places. We are in the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ as we assemble. And in this assembly, we provoke one another to love and to good works. It is in the midst of this assembly that Christ dwells and he moves. He speaks to us. He stirs us and he strengthens us. Therefore, God's people need not ever forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We must be faithful to the assembly. And so as the assembly came together, they would receive the communication that God had for them. Then there came the announcement. Look at it, if you would, please, in verse number two. Then David the king stood up upon his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. As for me, I had in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God and had made ready for the building. But God said unto me, Thou shalt not build an house for my name, because thou hast been a man of war, and hast shed blood. Howbeit the Lord God of Israel chose me, 
before all the house of my father to be king over Israel forever. For he hath chosen Judah to be ruler. Then I want you to notice in verse 5, And all my sons, for the Lord hath given me many sons, he hath chosen Solomon my son. Then I want you to notice in verse 6, And he said unto me, Solomon thy son, he shall build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son. Here's what David is announcing. I had it in my heart. I desired to build the house of the Lord. But God said to me, no, uh, Solomon's going to do it. And I want you to know that this was God's choice. God chose David to be the king. God chose Solomon to succeed him. And God chose Solomon to build the house. What do we learn here? We learn here that this plan is God's plan. That God is at work. That God is superintending in his providence. He is leading us and moving forward, David said, to build the house of the Lord. So we understand that through this announcement that the plan is God's plan. Uh, Then we see the assignment, the assignment. Uh, Having gathered the assembly and made the announcement, it is time to build the house. He makes the assignment. He gives the duties to two groups of people. First of all, uh, to the servants, to those who are in the assembly. Look at verse 8. Now, therefore, in the sight of all Israel, the congregation of the Lord, and in the audience of our God, keep and seek for all the commandments of the Lord your God. David is charging the leaders here to keep the Lord's commands. He is charging them to live according to God's law, to fulfill and obey God's commands. And there is a promise that will result as a matter of their obedience. There is is a reward that they will receive as a matter of their obedience. Look at it, if you would, please, in verse number 8. That ye may possess this good land and leave it for an inheritance for your children after you forever. He said, you need to keep the law of God so that you can possess the land. What did the land represent? The land represented their fellowship, their relationship with their God. The land represented obedience to God and the blessings of God that he would bestow upon them as long as they were obedient to him. And then he charged them or challenged them rather to leave that land for a legacy to their children. Notice again in verse 8, that ye may possess this good land that you might enjoy the blessed life that God has for you. You see, the commandments of the Lord are not grievous. They're not burdensome. God is not some cosmic killjoy in the sky trying to make us miserable, giving us all of these commands to live by. When God says, thou shalt not, he's not trying to keep you from something good. He's saying, don't hurt yourself. And when God says, thou shalt, then he's saying, go ahead and help yourself. And friend, if we'll learn to obey God, we'll enjoy the blessings of God. And so here, uh, David is challenging these people, these leaders. He's challenging them to keep the law of the Lord and to leave something behind, a legacy for the next generation. I want to say this this morning, that our church has a responsibility to leave a legacy for the next generation. Our church has a duty and an obligation to leave a legacy 
for the next generation so that they receive the same truth that you and I have received. I'm glad that when I was a seven-year-old boy, uh, a dear lady who was a neighbor invited me to go to Bible school. My family was in church, but I had summer days that uh, I had free, and so she invited me to go to Bible school. I went to Bible school. I heard the message of the gospel, and I became a Christian. I was raised in a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. I had the opportunity uh, for five years to attend a Christian school. I had the opportunity to grow up in a Christian home. I had the opportunity to have Christian friends. I had the honor and the privilege of marrying a beautiful Christian wife. And we have tried uh, to serve the Lord together and to raise a Christian family. I want you to know I have a wonderful legacy. I have been blessed. God has been so good to me. But not just to me. He's been so good to all of us, has he not? And we have a responsibility, having received such wonderful gifts, to leave a legacy for our children so that they will have the same opportunities that we have enjoyed. The same truth, the same preaching, the same singing. They have the opportunity to receive that as long as we will possess the good land and leave an inheritance for them. I want to say that children and young people, they need God more than they need success in worldly endeavors. They need God more than they need academics. They need God more than they need athletics. They need God more than they need art. They need God more than they need amusement. Our children need God. And this is the reason the church exists. This is the reason that we believe God has blessed us and led us to purchase the, the, the property next door and to go ahead and possess that possession that God has given to us so that we can teach our children the truths of God's Word. Our children need God more than they need money. They need God more than they need houses or lands. Knowing Christ is greater than any income or investment opportunity. Our children don't have to be clothed in the fashions of this world, but they better be clothed in the righteous garments of Jesus Christ. They don't have to be popular, but they better be prudent and know God's Word. We need to teach them to exercise themselves into godliness. Righteousness is more important than recognition in this social media-driven world. Our children don't need comfort. They need Jesus. They don't need to be happy. We don't want them to be miserable. They need to be holy. They need to know Jesus. And if we don't possess what is ours, and we don't keep the commandments of the Lord ourselves, there'll be nothing left for them. I want you to know that I believe God has directed us and blessed us as a church to enable us to reach beyond this generation and into the next. So here we find that he charges the servants. But then he charges Solomon, look in verse 9, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father. He's saying to a representative of the next generation, you need to know the God of your father. And serve him with a perfect heart. The word perfect means complete. Serve him with your whole heart. Don't be divided. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. 
Give God your heart. And with a willing mind, a willing mind means to take delight in. Don't serve God grudgingly, serve God willingly. Don't give to God grudgingly, give to God willingly. This is what he's saying to Solomon. He says, for the Lord searcheth all hearts. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a sobering thought to think about this. God knows our heart, doesn't he? He knows the thoughts behind our words. He knows what's going on in our heart and mind. He searcheth all the hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. God knows what we're thinking. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. So he says in verse 10, take heed now. Understand this. The Lord hath chosen thee to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. You see, he's saying, Solomon, the duty is now yours. The plan to build the house, as I said a moment ago, it didn't originate with David. It didn't originate with Solomon. It was God's plan from the beginning. I want to say this to you that this church is not here today because we decided or any other group of people have decided that it would be a good idea to have a church in Hickory, North Carolina. This was not our invention. This was God's idea. This is God's invention. Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 16, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The founder of the church is the Lord Jesus Christ. This is his idea. This is his plan. But he has assigned us the responsibility to labor together for the building of the church. This church is a part of God's plan to glorify his name and to bring souls to himself. As we think about our context, our situation, our opportunity that lies before us, our church, including me as the pastor, the deacons, our finance committee, our entire congregation, we've sought to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has led us, hasn't he? He's led us to this point. In fact, he's faithfully led us from 1941, the year of our inception, in May of 1941, when the original tabernacle was constructed at the corner of 10th Street and what is now Sea Avenue Southeast in Hickory. That's where we met. You can drive there today. I think you'll find it's an auto repair shop. But that was the first place where the Tabernacle Baptist Church was located. In 1954, under the leadership of Pastor Hamlet, the church moved to 613 Third Avenue in Hickory. That building still stands. In fact, I believe it is a Presbyterian church today. Pastor Robert Settle led the church to establish Tabernacle Christian School. It began in 1970 and moved to its current location at 1225 29th Avenue Drive in 1972. This current sanctuary where we're meeting today, it was built in 1980. In fact, Randy Shook was here sometime last year. We were talking about how this building came to be. And he said, well, we needed additional classroom space. 
So we built the wing that is in the front of this building. He said, in fact, that's all we really were intending to build, just that you notice the roof line that runs the opposite direction of this one. He said, we were just going to build extra classroom space there. The church had been meeting in the gymnasium uh, since the beginning, since they had built the building. And he said, Dr. Settle came up and said to the contractors, can you build an auditorium? And so they revised the plan and they built this auditorium in addition to what is now the office area and the nursery area. You see, God was directing in all of that, wasn't he? And the church has met here in this building for the last 43 years. In December of 2021, the Lord led us to purchase seven acres at 1405 29th Avenue Drive. 54,000 square feet of building that God intends for us to occupy. Many of us will look back on the great days of the past, but I want to encourage you this morning to take a look at the unwritten pages of the future. I'd like for you to see the souls that will be saved, the servants that will be trained, the marriages that will be made, the children who will be born, the lives that will be transformed. And I want to say with David this morning, take heed, be strong, and do it. You see, we find here the plan to build. It's God's plan. But secondly, I want you to see the pattern to build. The pattern to build. We notice in verse number 11, then David gave to Solomon, his son, the pattern of the porch and of the house thereof. David drew the blueprints. That's what he's giving over. And of the treasuries thereof and of the upper chambers thereof and of the inner parlors thereof and of the place of the mercy seat and the pattern of all that he had by the Spirit. Then I want you to go with me to verse 19. All this, said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me even all the works of this pattern. What will this building look like? No doubt they wondered. What kind of house can we build for the Lord? And I want you to see that God gave the pattern. God gave the pattern. And I want you to know that God will lead us forward and God will give us a pattern. But I'm not so primarily concerned this morning with the pattern of the building as far as its design elements. I'm more concerned about the pattern of the work of the ministry. And we find that this pattern was received by the Spirit. The Spirit of God, in verse number 12 and also in verse number 19, the Spirit of God moved upon David and gave him the clarity that he would need to design the building, to, to, to draw the building. Notice again in verse 19, All this, said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me even all the works of this pattern. And I want to say to you that we have a book that God has written, that God has authored, that God has inspired men to write. And this book gives us the pattern for the local New Testament church. This book gives us a pattern that we must follow. And if we're going to be faithful and build the house that God wants built, I'm not just speaking about a building, I'm speaking about building His church, then we can only do it on the foundation that Jesus Christ has provided, the foundation of the apostles, and the prophets with Jesus Christ himself 
being the chief cornerstone. I'm talking about the Word of God. And I'd like for you to look with me in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 2. 2 Timothy, chapter 2, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. We're finding here a pattern, and we find a really a similar situation as what we find here in 1 Chronicles 28, because Timothy, who is Paul's son in the faith, is being instructed by the Apostle Paul. So you have the father speaking to a son. That's what you have in 1 Chronicles 28. David, the king, speaking to his successor, his son, Solomon. Now you have Paul, a missionary apostle, who is just perhaps moments or a period of days, perhaps away from being executed, sending his final letter to Timothy, who was not his natural-born son, but who was his son in the faith. A, a, a protege, if you would. Paul was his mentor. And, 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 and Paul is writing to Timothy, who is a timid young man. He's encouraging him here to carry on the work that God has given him to do. Look, if you would, please, in chapter 2 and verse 1. He says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong. Well, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Here we find a pattern for ministry. That is, the things that Paul gave to Timothy, those things Timothy was to embrace, and those were to be the things that Timothy taught to others with the thought in mind that those who received that instruction for Timothy, those who he taught, would then, in turn, teach it to others. In other words, the message began with Paul, not necessarily began with, but in, in the context here, uh, it, it was given from Christ to Paul, now Paul to Timothy, and Timothy was to give it to others, and then those who received it from Timothy were to give it yet to others more. And eventually, here we are, 2,000 years later, in Hickory, North Carolina, gathered around uh, as a group of people, gathered around to hear what God gave the apostles and the prophets. This is the pattern of ministry. And we have a responsibility, friends, to make sure that we stay faithful. Notice what he says here in verse 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, he's talking about the revelation of Scripture, the Word of God, the same, the same thing, not anything different, not anything changed or altered, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. This is the pattern that was given by the Spirit, and it was the pattern that was revealed to the Son, and this is the pattern that we at Tabernacle Baptist Church must follow. Well, that leads me to a third point, and that is this, the power to build. We've seen the plan to build. It was God's plan. We see the pattern. It was given by God, and it was to be followed by His people. And then we see, lastly, the power. Who supplies the power? Well, God supplies the power. Now, go back with me here in verse number 20. And David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and of good courage. Well, how, how do you just make yourself strong? Well, you can't. The only way to become strong is to acknowledge your own weakness. 
Remember when Paul prayed? He prayed for the thorn in the flesh to be removed, but it was not removed. And God said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. When we acknowledge to God that we're helpless children who don't know what we're doing and we lean on him, God will give us the strength that we need. But we can trust in him. He said, be strong and of good courage. He is essentially saying, you have the strength, the ability, the power to do what needs to be done. So then he said, and do it, do it. Then he said this, fear not, nor be dismayed. You know, we cannot spend our time in fear of the many who are going to oppose us and who already do. We can't spend our time afraid of the enormity of the task. We must not fear the circumstances of our day. We can't fear the political or the economic climate. We must simply look to the Lord. And here's the good news. Look at it if you would. He says, be strong and of good courage and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed, for the Lord thy, or the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. What helps us in our moment of fear? Because fear will come, right? We'll, we'll have all kinds of questions. Well, what if, what if we step out and, and something goes wrong, or we can't find the right supplier, or we can't find the right contractor, or, or the interest rates change, or the costs go up? What in the world are we going to do if we step out and do all of those things? Well, he said, don't fear those things. That's what he's saying. What will happen if I take a stand for God on my job or if I try to lead my family to do the right thing? What will happen if I step out in faith? He says, don't spend your time in fear. Understand that God is with you. For the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. Now notice this. He will not fail thee. God will not fail us. Nor forsake thee. People may turn their back on us, but God won't. God won't leave us on a limb by ourselves. God will see us through. Notice what he says. Until thou hast finished. Won't you circle that word? God said, I'm going to see you through from start to finish until thou hast finished all the work of the service of the house of the Lord. You see, when God calls somebody to do something, God gives us the ability and strength to do it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 24, Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Now unto him, Ephesians 3.20, that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. What power? The power of Christ. The power that brought Christ out of the tomb. The power that brought him from the dead and gave him victory over death and hell. That same power resides in us. That's why Paul wrote in Romans 8, if God be for us, who can be against us? You see, when our faith is tested, and it surely will be, when our faith is tested, He will be with us. When hardships and difficulties come, He will be with us. When others forsake us, He will be with us. Our God is with us. He will not fail us. 
And so he says, build the house. But then he said, Solomon, not only is God with you, but the people are with you. The people are with you. Look at verse 21. And behold, the courses of the priests and the Levites, even they shall be with thee for all the service of the house of God. You're not in this alone, Solomon. The Levites and the priests are with you. And there shall be with thee for all manner of workmanship, every willing, skillful man for any manner of service. Anything God wants done, he'll give the right man to do the job. And he said, he is with you. Also, the princes and the people will be holy at thy command. I'd like for you to look this way just for a moment. There's no, there's no way in this world that I, as a man, could ever lead this church to do the things that God is leading us to do. And there is no way that I possess the ability, the wisdom, the strength, the power, the wit to see it through. But God is with us. And God has given this congregation of people the strength, the power that is needed. And I would like for you to just take a look around this room. Just take a look around. These are the people that are with us. And our God is with us. So what is the message? Build the house. It's his plan. We must trust his plan and follow his plan. And by the way, God reserves the right to change the plan. We just have to follow him. It's his pattern. There's no other pattern. This is his pattern. So we're going to follow as a church his design. We're going to keep doing the same thing we've always done. We're going to keep preaching the same Bible. We're going to be, keep giving the same gospel. We're going to keep singing the same songs for the glory of God. We want our children to have a legacy. And we're going to do it, not in our power, but in his. And we get to do it together for the glory of God. Build the house. Be strong and of good courage and do it. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.